You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. Crazy Love tells the astonishing story of the obsessive roller coaster relationship of Bert and Linda Pugash, which shocked the nation during the summer of 1959. Our guest today, Crazy Love's director, Dan Clores, focuses the documentary to examine the human psyche and the concepts of love, sanity, hope, and forgiveness. Crazy Love had its world premiere at the 2007 Sundance Film Festival, earned the Best Documentary Award at the Santa Barbara Film Festival that same year, and is a Best Documentary nominee for this year's Independent Spirit Awards. Clores, who has directed and produced four award-winning documentaries in the past five years, is currently shooting his fifth film. Dan Clores, welcome to Film School. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Just <laughs> finished a new film, comes out next month. so I'm. Well, tell uh, us a little bit about it. Yeah, that, that film's called Black Magic. It's uh-huh. a it's a film about the injustice that defines the civil rights movement told to the lives of uh, basketball players and coaches who went to historical black colleges only. And it will air on ESPN yeah. in the middle of March. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, well, that should be great. Yeah. Middle of March, ESPN? Yeah, no commercial interruptions. Two nights, four hours. Ooh, cool. wow. Well, cool. And, and yeah. this is one of yeah. those event films. Congratulations on yeah, that. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, quite a way from uh, Crazy Love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, crazy Love is, um, in a word, crazy. <laughs> How did you first meet the uh, Pugashes? What drove you to the story? I read an article in the New York Times about five years ago, I think when I was finishing Ring of Fire, and it, it, it just jarred my memory because I was a 10-year-old child growing up in Brooklyn, and, and I read about it when it happened. It was attractive to me in some weird sense, even as a kid, I think because because she was such a pretty girl. She was a beautiful girl. I had forgotten a lot about it. I didn't pay any attention to what happened to Bert or, or Linda after that. And you had some great photographs of them and, and of her. Were those type of photographs showing up in the press at that time when you were 10? Some were, but a lot of the other photos and uh, were stuff that we found through other people. Even uh, Linda, amazingly enough, had kept all sorts of photos. Some came from the police files and the court files, some from the medical institution. That stuff is a lot of luck based on hard work, all that research. You know, you, you know, you got to get lucky. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the, the photos and the footage, there's some wonderful footage of that era, uh, tooling around New York. Was that stock footage that you had found? Some of it was stock footage. Yeah. But I found a lot of old 8 and 16 millimeter when, when Bert and Linda were, were teenagers and young people. Stuff when he takes her on his airplane yeah. ride. I mean, that was from one of her old friends. I didn't even know it existed. In fact, I didn't even know there was an airplane until I interviewed her. And old uh, wedding photos where Linda would be dancing with her fiancé, Larry. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, part of the work is uh, basically being a detective, and you know, one thing leads to another. I know we're not getting too much into the plot now, and in a way, I hate to talk about it when I introduce people to the film, I like them to discover what's what happened because I, you know, a lot of people, I, I suppose, from that period have that seared into their minds. There's some great shots 
of Bert and there's Linda and then there's Bert's wife there too. Mm. When you were looking through these things, did you did you feel that you'd come across a perfect shot sometimes to well, get sometimes there? I yeah. you know, sometimes you just wanna <laughs> you, sometimes you actually wanna jump up and, and cheer <laughs> yeah. when you yeah. find something. I can, uh, I can that, that was a shot of uh, Bert's and his uh, wife and his uh, and his other girlfriend then not yeah. not not Linda uh, and and that was remember his he had a secretary yes. slash girlfriend oh, yeah. yes. and uh, well that one shot I, of her and, I, and then the, the, the solo <laughs> shot of her was great oh my know, goodness a really healthy robust buxom, busty buxom uh, woman yes uh, yeah. sexy woman and then I cut to her today and, yeah. you know it's something that you never want to think that's going to happen <laughs> to you, you know? oh, absolutely <laughs> right and and then but that that shot of uh, the two women sitting on his lap on one on each knee and I use it twice once mm-hmm. we're just um the girlfriend, and then I come to it later, and then the other knee is the wife. Yeah. It was a pretty, pretty cool shot. Well, what was your first meeting like when you met Bert? What was that like? Yeah, the first time I met him was, um, I, I met him in the diner in Queens where we end the film, and then he goes to lunch there frequently. It's about a mile from his house, and he takes Linda there all the time. I met him there for, for lunch, and for the first 10 minutes, you know, he, he appears to be this uh, normal old uh, guy who just likes to talk, who's uh, bright and goes on and on and on about himself. And what was disturbing even then was that Linda's uh, blind and elderly, and it was in the winter, so she was wearing a fur coat, and she's following Bert. She's hanging on to Bert. Bert walks first. I'm the one that had to pull out the seat and seat her at the table, and she ordered eggs, and Wanted the toast buttered, and there I am, a complete stranger, buttering her toast for her. And huh. Doesn't really lift a finger because he's after that ninth or tenth minute. Then, then you see, oh, there's something really off here. You know, this man yeah. is very bright, but never, 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 never stops talking about himself. But when I got really interested, as opposed to turned off, was finally she turns to him and uh, she sounded like all those women that you know that, that I grew up with around like my mother this, this whole Mahjong crowd in Brooklyn <laughs> they're all sort of dames if you will yes, and yes. she just turned around and said you know she starts yeah he never shuts up you know stop listening to him you know she she's a dame you know? <laughs> yeah I, I looked at her and said oh wow that's that's even more interesting, you yeah, know. Yeah. That's now, even more. Interesting. Well, well, what was his reaction? Given that he likes to talk about himself, what was his reaction when you said, "I'm going to do a documentary about you and your story"? Well, at first, I didn't want to do it as a doc. At first, I wanted to do it as a as a hybrid of a doc and a feature. Yeah. I had this idea that I worked on for a few months, but it just it, it felt too complicated, especially since I had finished my third film and I thought I was. You know, you improve each film, and or you, or you like to think you do. You know, yeah. <laughs> but the reason it interested me was much more than memory. The reason that it began to really inter- interest me was this idea of obsession and all the things that we do when we are hurt, mm-hmm. when we do have our hearts broken that we don't talk to other people about. Uh, you know, the, the embarrassing things, and also the feeling: will this pain ever leave? Is it, is it ever going to leave me? And uh, you know, how can I reach out to her? Is she going to take me back? And I think that if we're honest, most of us have experienced those things. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what really interested me. So this idea of, of, of obsession due to heartbreak 
and or to anything. So I was going to do a film based upon obsession. It was going to be half doc on their story. Mm. And then I was going to write with Erin uh, Cassandra Wilson, where she was going to write six to eight scenes as a feature of this film, mm-hmm. get actors to play Bert and Linda, great actors, and I was going to shoot them preparing to play their obsession in getting ready for a role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And cut it like that. Got too complicated. I think she was just had a baby. You know, things are meant to yeah, work out yeah. that way. So, you know, for a couple of months, that's all he would be asking. Who's going to play me? Who's going to play me? Who's going to play me? <laughs> well, it's funny. There was, there was a film that came out this year called Strange Culture, and they did that. Oh, they did that. Yeah, Good. Good. but it, how did it work? I got to see that then. I enjoyed the documentary part of it more than I enjoyed the the. Uh, the strange narrative. culture. Yeah, yeah, strange culture. Thank yeah. you for telling. It's Lynn me. Hirschman. Lynn Hirschman, I believe, is the the film director. But I would say, with the advantage, you're just as you're describing this sort of a this attempt to do a hybrid. The, the advantage of a documentary is when we see these people, friends of, of Bert yeah. and Linda, they come fully formed. We don't need a backstory about them. And I, I assume with a narrative, you'd, you'd feel the need to fill in the backstories on some of these yeah, people. Yeah, and yeah, you have I, that I, sort I, of I, people accept it. Yeah. It worked out just fine. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. worked out fine. You know, yeah. I, I, I was happy. I think initially he was disappointed. Uh, Bert was disappointed that yeah, he didn't well, have a, a star name be. behind <laughs> him. <yeah. laughs> didn't have was Al Pacino <laughs> portraying him <laughs> or something. Al Pacino, you know, it's Phil Hoffman. <laughs> and, you know, he, he, you know. Did, did he suggest people? Of course. Yeah. Was was Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman among yeah, them? Yeah, I could see that. Phil is a friend of mine, so he knew that. I could see that. And <laughs> and when he went to we went, you know, when we went to Sundance, Phil came to the premiere and the yeah. after party. You know, he sat down with Phil. You know, he made a plea for it. The name Arnold Stank didn't come up then. <laughs> no, isn't that a great shot? I yeah. love that all yeah, that one, that Right? Cool. I mean, and, you know, it depends on, like the other day, we, the, the film was shown in Durham at a film class. I was down there for Black Magic, and there's, you know, all these young kids. So, you know, they're, they're sitting there, Arnold Stank, it doesn't mean anything to them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, but it was absolutely right on, too. Yeah. yeah. And a nice I mean, fade I into that. that. And I, you know, that, yeah. that's clearly, you know, I grew up, you know, watching those Arnold Stank chunky commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, there's a couple of sh- uh, shots of, of Bert with, with the glasses on that sort of the maniacal look. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah was... Had a great editor. Had a yeah. great editor. Oh, how did that go, too? How, how much did you have to edit down from? Where were you at when you finished the documentary? Well, you know, it's a, it's a really good question. I wrote a script that was initially, I want to say it was 180 pages. And yeah. I got it down. The final script was about 80 pages. Everything I've done, this was the easiest film to make. Wow. It really was, it, 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 because the, even the, the the sequencing of the scenes of my beginning, middle, and end are pretty consistent from the original s- script. And my editor is, ter- is terrific, so his input was invaluable. As was Fisher Stevens, the producer, one of the producers. Uh, it was a, it was a really good collaboration. You know, the normal frustration, oh, why is it taking so long? You know, all of that stuff. You know, not bad. Pretty close to the original, certainly in the structure, and definitely in the um, all of the reveals. You know, all of those things were were they were in my head even before I put pen to paper. Yeah, some well, of those things take your breath away yeah, too. I, yeah. You know, having not known about this story, right. uh, I felt 
suckered in just right uh, yeah. all the way through it. Uh, you know, yeah, it thank you. Very that good that job. was the intent. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I wanted to do that. I wanted to scare you. I wanted you to feel yeah. uh, this. Oh, here's New York in a lovely, innocent period of time. Here are these lovebirds. And then I don't reveal that they're married till 18 and a half minutes in. Right. Initially, that was uh, 20, 21 minutes. So yeah. losing those 90 seconds became important. Yeah. <laughs> no? Well, well let, let's yep. give the editor a plug. You didn't mention his name. Uh, Dave, Dave Zeef. Uh, he, he deserves the plug. But an interesting thing, I'll, I'll say this, though. A uh, great editor, and he, he, he was my editor on Viva Baseball. I mean, the guy's a great editor. He's about 13 years younger than me. Um, uh, he's in his uh, mid-40s. Uh, uh, suburban guy. Great with music. Great with s- storytelling. Wonderful collaboration. He did Viva Baseball. He did this. And worked on Black Magic. But we're in the editing room, and he's, he's he's not quite getting it on the level that I'm seeing it, on, on the anguish and the pain and the decision-making and, and, and the loss and... And finally, one day, I said, look, just think of it this way, man. Just think about it like, just think about the first time you had your heart broken and you were, mm-hmm. how devastated you were. Like, you know, how, how, you, how you would see other girls and think that's her, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you'd say, is this pain ever going to leave? And he said the most remarkable thing to me, man. What did he, he say? Said, I never had my heart broken. Oh, <laughs> wow. And that was so healthy. Because then I understood, okay, yeah. Yeah. he's never going to come here to my side. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So let him deal with what he does great. <laughs> well, I could imagine that living, if you will, Dave had to live with Bert every day for well, a long so time. And so did yeah. you. So I could imagine there'd be a point at which you would, if you weren't coming from the place you just described, where you wouldn't like this guy at all. Well, actually, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. That, that of course, is probably more true for Dave than it was for me. Because right. there were times that I would sort of more than tolerate Burke. I like him sometimes. Right. You know, you would try to, I try very hard to, uh, the same thing with Linda, yeah. to, to go to the places where, where you have empathy. You know, yeah. Unfortunately, we're at least you know, I, I, we're all not like that. You know, that's that's you know, we'd be holy men if we were. You know? <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. But but look, I, I live with these people for years. Right, right. Every I mean, I'm in the edit room day and night. And the good thing is that they were so wild that there's a lot of black humor in it. Oh yeah. Oh, lots. And, and lots of it. And you can know the broad outline of this story. You could have known about it. But this documentary is just remarkable in that you just, as you get a little bit below the surface, you see so many different cross-currents. Uh, yeah, thank thing. you. We're thank speaking you. with uh, Dan Cloris. The film is Crazy Love. Should Bert be walking the streets? Jim, <laughs> Jimmy Breslin is saying that he's, nobody is as visibly insane as Bert Puga. Is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, walking, yeah. <laughs> that's, about, that's about it on a, on a leash maybe no, no, um, and, and how, how is Linda doing today how is she I haven't spoken to them in about six or eight months and, uh, but you know Linda Linda's life she goes to I think it's the New York City Guild for the Blind uh, a couple of times a week where she uh, knits and sews and she goes to sleep very early she can't paint anymore she was a fantastic uh, artist you know, mm. with great promise. Very smart woman. 
Yeah. Very smart woman. She's a very smart woman. She's a very street smart woman. She's a very street smart yeah. woman. That's exactly right. So I said, I mean, it was like, you know, it's like my mother and her, her yeah. friends. Yeah. You know, they, they, these were women that grew up during the Depression and uh, and got all well, got married early, after right after the war, and um, yeah. didn't have a chance to go to school, but they knew life. You know, they knew people. Linda's smart. Yeah. Linda's smart. We did two big screenings, though prior to it coming out, with major panel discussions. And one had about 150 psychiatrists and the other about 300. Really? Wow. And that was fascinating. (laughs) What was the consensus? Was Bert there? No. okay. Uh, The diagnosis about Bert was sort of easy. Most people consider him a psychopath. Linda, though, the psychiatric community diagnosed her as a, immediately as a, as a borderline personality, which I didn't think of, um, but I think that's correct, because her moods go from high to low with, uh, instantaneously. Mm-hmm. And it is all focused on herself, you know, as Bert is on himself. Do you think that she's as obsessional as he is? I mean, first of all, I want to say it's a great quote you have at the beginning of the film, the, the Jacques Lacan thing. Yes, yeah, to be an obsessional yeah. means to find oneself caught in a mechanism in a trap increasingly demanding and endless. Right. Are, are they both there in that trap? I would think so. Yeah. I mean, look, with her, how could you not be? How could you not be? The thing about Linda is that no one, in my experience, has ever going through an experience that she has. I mean, you can have a disease, an ailment, an addiction, a tragedy, God forbid, in your life, and there, at the very least, there's a group, a support group, right? Yeah. That have suffered the same thing. Whether you decide to use that or not, whether it helps or not, is a separate issue. But no one that I know of has ever, or I have even heard about, has ever looked themselves in the mirror one morning and seen a beautiful reflection of a stunningly gorgeous young girl, innocent girl, and then in one instant been blinded and never been able to see herself again. So think of that. This is the world she's lived in for uh, almost 50 years. She doesn't know what she looks like. I mean, when she broke my heart in, in the film and interviewing her, it's a story about she finally met a guy and he wanted to marry her and she had to take off her glasses yeah. and, and, he, and he ran away. That's when I really understood what was working here. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's when I, I thought, at least to myself, all of a sudden this not only becomes a movie about obsession, but it becomes a movie about all the things we do not to be alone. Mm-hmm. What will we do in order not to be alone? And that was good for me because then I really understood why I'm making this movie. Right. Well, you have identified in this short period of time so many reasons to see this film. It is a terrific film. Yeah, as far as I'm thanks. concerned, the the Academy lost out when they didn't nominate you. Yeah, I'm, you know, i got to <laughs> say, I mean, it's sort of not PC, but that was crazy. Man. Well, well yeah. we, we look forward to the Spirit Awards, and we hope that they... <laughs> They rectify that that injustice. So, uh, well, Dan Clores, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. The film is Crazy Love. It's Thanks available so on DVD, but also Spirit Awards. Watch it this uh, this weekend. And uh, thank you for being here on Thanks, Facebook. Thanks, guys. All right, thank take, you. take care. Bye-bye. Pleasure.
To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.